Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yes, Hello. yes you, 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 ha- you have done this right. And from the first time. I'm so, so excited. This is firstly, what an honor to have my first IG live with you. So I'm wow. very honored. I'm your first. It's a, it's wow. a big moment. Okay. It's, it's a very big moment. Um, very. We, in fact, you actually taught me how to do it. Just so everyone's clear. I had to. I, I, I um. I inherit this of my father. I'm technically that. You taught me how to do it. You taught me through it. Uh, so thank you for that gift already. No, no, Owen. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you. For, thank you very much for having me on your platform. And uh, good evening, good afternoon, or good morning to your audience as well. Um, here from Gaza, from Khan Yunus, from NASA Hospital. Um, it's a huge honour. Um, many, many of the people watching uh, live, and obviously people join later. Uh, we've got people I can see joining from Kuwait, Canada, where you're obviously you're Palestinian Canadian. I'll talk to, talk to people about that all over Europe, all over the UK, and elsewhere. Um, firstly, just tell everyone. Everyone knows a lot about you already. Uh, you've got a very big following. You've made a big impact on people with your journalism. Um, and you're one of the what I call the lions of the world's press pack. Um, the journalists of Gaza, the eyes and ears to the great atrocity of our age, which is currently being committed, risking your lives. So just tell us firstly a bit about your about you and your background. Thank you, Owen. Uh, appreciate what appreciate it. Honestly, uh, we are not heroes. The real heroes are the men, the women that are every day running their families from the morning to the night. They're the ones baking the bread, trying to get food, clean water, caring for their children, those who are injured, those who are in long-term patient cares, those who have lost their homes, lost their loved ones. Those are the people that we are trying to get their stories through lives like this to audiences around the world. We are just facilitators. Thank you very much. My name is Mansour Shuman. I'm a Palestinian Canadian. I'm 39 years old. I'm married with five children. The eldest is 16, the youngest is four. Uh, I have an engineering degree and an MBA from Canadian universities. I lived in um, a dozen countries during my lifespan. And um, I'm, I'm not a reporter by, by, uh, through career. Um, I became a, a, a reporter slash journalist uh, vol- volunteering for this around three months ago. Uh, I'm originally uh, working in, in consulting. Um, I worked with the big four companies, if you heard about um, the PwCs and the Deloitte and all that. Um, I worked in the public sector, manufacturing, distribution. Um, I did a lot of um, uh, commercial work. So uh, that's my original line of work. I came to Gaza around two years ago. I'm originally from Jerusalem. My wife is originally from Gaza. Um, Gaza was for 16 years under siege. Uh, however, we decided to come to live in Gaza because we couldn't go to the West Bank due to a lot of um, restrictions to people living there, especially in Jerusalem. So we decided to come and live in Gaza so that my family 
can be closer to people that share their social norms, closer back to our homeland. We wanted to try to, to see how, it go, how, 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 you know, how things were here. And we had a great life here for two years. Yes, it was difficult. We only had electricity for eight hours. Uh, there was a lot of restrictions on the kinds of goods and services that we can access here in Gaza. Um, but you know, things 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 were things were good. However, life did change for us um, on October the seventh, and uh, together with 2.3 million other Palestinians, uh, we are now living in the biggest open-air prison in the world, going through a very difficult uh, security um, situation. There's a lot of um, restriction. Aid is only trickling in, like it's more of a PR stunt on the behalf, in my opinion, of the UN and the US and the Israelis, we can go more into that. However, despite all of these challenges, um, something that I can tell you for sure is that the morale here is high. People here feel that they're on the right side of history. They are fighting and striving for what is just and what is right. And seeing the support from the free world, people like yourselves, your audience, and millions of others, has definitely boosted the morale here up. So thank you very much. Well, that's, that's really good to hear. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you can see all the love, the solidarity that you've been receiving over what must be an intolerably difficult period. I know you said the other, that the journalists aren't the heroes, but if, and, and of course there are so many others in Gaza who are doing incredible work in the most impossible conditions, not least medics as the healthcare system is deliberately targeted by Israeli forces, itself a very grave war crime. But you are the eyes and ears of the world uh, to what is happening. You're bearing witness and you are risking your lives. And so this is the biggest uh, killing of journalists in recorded history in any conflict. And I just wanted to just, just tell us about, about, about that danger that you face, including, of course, talking, I mean, that, what so, so many of us as well, Dadu, the Al Jazeera um, Gaza correspondent, first his family were, were killed, and his wife and many children, his grandson, he went to work immediately afterwards. Then he was injured and his colleague killed. He went to work immediately afterwards. And then his beloved son, a fellow journalist of yours, was killed. I just want you to tell us a bit about, about him and, and what that shows, that all that loss that many of us would struggle, I think, to, to even imagine how we'd cope with, but he's still, he's still so determined to, to, to do that job. Definitely. Um, uh, Mr. Wael al-Dahdouh, or Uncle Wael, as we call him here, he's been our, not only our friend and our mentor, uh, but he's also been, we've been neighbours for the last three months, sitting in tents beside each other, uh, eating together, um, um, socialising together, um, it's an honor to be um, uh, serving in this line of uh, reporting together with him. And um, he always teaches us things, not only through words, but through acts. And uh, as you rightly said, uh, even though he experiences the loss of his wife immediately, after that he carries the mic proudly, with honor, trying to remember her, uh, her, um, her, uh, you know, her legacy. And same thing with his son. Uh, his son passed away. Immediately at night, he was on Al Jazeera covering the news. Um, he believes that it is a message to the, uh, to the IOF that, look, 
regardless of what you try to do to us here, we will continue down this path. We will not stop. And if they believe that doing acts like this to journalists will loosen their morale or make, uh, make us um, uh, try to run away or wither, they are mistaken. I have the opportunity to leave uh, Owen. I have a Canadian passport and my name has been approved by the Israelis to leave the Arafah border. However, together with hundreds of others, we decided to stay here. It's a choice that we made. And trust me, if the Rafah border opens tomorrow, the Israelis think that thousands will leave Gaza. I tell them that millions from the around the world will come to Gaza to help Gaza, not the other way around. So going back to the journalists, over 111 journalists have been killed since the start. Many of them with their family members. Being a journalist here, even a volunteer journalist like myself, or someone who tries to be active on social media, makes you an immediate target, unfortunately. And every day we express, we hear the news about someone who lost their family member, or we lose a family, we lose, we call them family members, journalists around us, who we lose here every day. However, this only increases our determination to remember their blood that was spilled and to continue our journey to ensure that the outside world listens to what's happening here through images, through our voice, through our determination, through the videos. Personally, like I said, um, I started only around 90 days ago. People from the media team called on to me and said, Mansoor, we heard that you lived in the West, you can speak good English. And we have a lot of requests from international TV stations asking for people, civilians, to talk in English to explain to the world what is really happening here in Gaza. Especially because, especially in the first week, Owen, if you remember, the Zionist propaganda was very strong. Palestinians were called animals, rapists, uh, baby killers. Um, you know, it was, it was really bad, especially, especially in the Western world. So together with many others, we tried to change that. And personally, I did over 85 different live interviews with international TV stations. And I thought that I was doing a good job until someone told me, Mansoor, you're missing out big time. I'm like, why? I'm going on Al Jazeera. I'm going on CNN, BBC. I appeared six times with Fox News. Like, he's like, no, social media is where it's at. I'm like, yeah, but isn't like Instagram and TikTok, oh, aren't these like just time wasters? Like, I, I thought people just do it for, you know, like, no, you have to go and check it out. So, so I was wrong. And the reach that the social media, especially on Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, even LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, um, threads, uh, shorts, reels, uh, not only does it give you access to a different audience, the new generation, those who actually change the game right now, but, but the numbers are like mind-boggling. So, for example, we started a hashtag TikTok called I Stand With Palestine a month and a half ago. And within two days, it reached over one billion mentions just on TikTok alone. So this is to show you the power of social media and how you, the listener, the viewer, the social media creator, the ones who like, share, comment, you have changed the game. Before, we used to rely on mainstream media 
who were controlled by governments, controlled by those who pay the, 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 their paycheck at the end of the day. But right now, we have a lot of freedom through social media, thanks to you. And yeah, sorry again for the long response, Owen. Back to you. No, 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 no. The long responses are, are very, very appreciated. Um, and it's just so important, given what you said, journalists are being deliberately targeted. I think it's very clear, and it should be very clear, that journalists are being deliberately targeted. That itself is a very grave uh, war crime. So it's so important that we elevate the voices of people like yourself using social media. And you're right, it is having a huge impact reaching huge numbers of people, particularly younger generations who I think are more politicised about Palestine than, than any generation previously. And that's that, in large part thanks to the work of, of people like yourself. The humanitarian situation, so you mentioned this earlier, the Israeli human rights organisation Betzalem says 2.2 million people of Gaza are going hungry. And they say very clearly, Israel is starving Gaza. And they say it's not a byproduct of war, but a direct result of Israel's declared policy, which denies them food. Um, Gazans and, and then it goes through the attack on agriculture, making it impossible to grow food because of the, the onslaught. So I just want to just tell us about that, because it's very clear they're using hunger as a weapon of war, a very grave war crime. Again, it's a violation of the Geneva Conventions. But just tell us what what's the daily in terms of your, the challenge, just being able to eat, how much you're able to eat, the challenges in getting food, water, that kind of thing. Yes, uh, just to answer a lot of comments that came on my live, yes, um, Owen is recording this, and at the end of this live, he will share with us all the recording. Instagram gives us the option to share the recording, so just just, just answer the question there. Yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, the Zionist regime is using uh, food and water, uh, electricity, communications, uh, fuel, medication, um, access to for borders uh, as as tools uh, as they as they as they um, as they as they commit this uh, 21st century genocide against the Palestinian people and they openly say that and, and mention that and it's part of their agenda especially the their elected politicians their right-wing elected politicians and for many of us it's like this is illogical I mean why 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 would they do this and why would they proudly, you know, talk about this? Um, talk about this, um, and and that's why one of the things I would like to re request or or suggest to your fellow listeners is to to learn more about what Zionism is, because once they understand what Zionism is, what's that ideology? We're going back. Hello. Hi. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. Don't wait. Don't wait. I mean, I, I was just saying, I'm I'm impressed you've got the reception you have at all. Um, so, 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 yeah, so, so go back. So Nasser Hospital is relying now on fuel to ensure that there is enough electricity running and that um, through this electricity, you know, we have our routers working, etc. And because this is like a media station, so all the different TV channels are connected through our internet routers. Sometimes uh, the electrical generators here in the hospital stop working. Uh, and. And uh, sometimes there are technical difficulties, and sometimes the Israelis just cut off um, internet from the service providers. And this happened 11 times since the start of the war. So I, 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 was, I was at the first fearing that this is another cut, which will go on for days, but alhamdulillah, we are back. Sorry, where did I miss out? What would you like me to continue? That, that context of Zionism, of, of needing to understand that historical context, 
um, yes. and, and the displacement, I suppose, of the Palestinian people, the Nakba, 1948 onwards, that, that context which is, which is stripped away from much of the Western media coverage. Yes, um, yes, I, I think it's extremely important that when we act, Owen, we don't just act out of emotion, out of the, the, the disturbing images we see on TV. Because one day, uh, especially the official media and TV stations might decide to change the subject, right? We will focus now on something else. We need to address the Palestinian cause coming from a source of history, credibility, evidence, right? So that's why I, I strongly advise to learn more about three different topics. One of them is Zionism, because sometimes people will claim, oh, you're anti-Israeli, it means you're anti-Jewish, it means that you're anti-Semitic. Well, no, th that's not the case at all. My best friends are Jewish. My, my best manager ever was someone who, who was Jewish. My mentor was Jewish. I have friends who are Jewish, colleagues who are Jewish. I have people that I grew up as a child in Jerusalem who were Jewish friends. It's not about Judaism. Please, let's learn more about what Zionism is, because a person who truly abides with Judaism and learns the Torah will understand that whatever ideology the Zionists are standing for is against Judaism, is against the teaching of Judaism. So that's number one. Number two, like you said, learn more about the Palestinian-Israeli history. It's, it didn't just start on October the 7th. Learn more about what happened uh, at the time of Herzl. How they came up deciding that, okay, we need to create a state to bring Jews in from all around the world. And they were thinking, okay, which country do we need to, to send them to, etc. And during those times, Jews were persecuted in different countries around the world especially the, in Europe. And where were the Jews seeking refuge? They were seeking refuge in North Africa, in the Middle East, in Arab and Muslim countries. And this is noted historically, right? That's why you have hundreds of thousands of Jews still living in the Middle East, still living in North Africa, still living in Iran, right? So the, please take the time to learn more about what happened in 1948, Ancestors, my wife's ancestors, 95% of people in Gaza are, are not are refugees. Gaza isn't their original home. And there are tens of millions of Palestinians around the world who shouldn't be living where they are right now, but they've been forced out of their homes and displaced due to the atrocities committed by the Zionist uh, forces in the last decade, in the last century, sorry. The third thing I would suggest is to learn more about Islam because Learning more about Islam will enable the people to understand more the mentality of the majority of the population here in Gaza. How come they are remaining steadfast despite going through over 90 days of, of hardship, of challenges, of things that are beyond uh, the imagination of what we stand for as human beings. So I invite the audience to learn more about these three things uh, because it will help us move forward from, from, from a stance of, 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 of historical facts and credibility and understanding of, of what is happening here on the ground. Um, as well, I mean, we, uh, I'll keep asking, obviously, about kind of wider political questions. Um, it's just, you mentioned, obviously, the hospital, the generator there. And I just want to ask about the medical system, such as it remains, because we know now that there are no operational hospitals up in northern Gaza. Northern Gaza... 70% or so of um, buildings are now, or houses are estimated to be damaged or, or destroyed, absolutely ruinous. 
Um, but most of the remaining hospitals in the south are obviously in a catastrophic position. Many doctors, nurses and patients have been massacred. Um, again, very grave war crimes. So I'm just wondering in terms of just that, the, the, given how many people are being injured, it's not just people being injured, it's people with underlying health conditions, it's pregnant women. So if you could just tell us a bit about that and the impact that's having on, on, on people who are obviously very seriously ill and injured. First, as you rightly said, uh, the medical system in the north is is completely out of service. They are trying to restart operations in Ashifa Hospital, but they are now operating like a small clinic. So all the cases have been shifted to the hospitals in the middle region and the south. The middle region is called Deir al-Balah. The main hospital there is Al-Aqsa Martyrs Hospital. Maybe in the news now you're hearing that there's a lot of... Um, IOF strikes around the hospital there. So now they are going through a very rough time. I am here in the south in Nasser Hospital and there's another hospital called the European Hospital. These are the three major hospitals now working here and most of the cases that have come to us from the north have come to, to these three hospitals. They have created over 250 tents around the hospital, inside the hospital space to accommodate the influx of patients that have come from the outside. There are several units here that care for patients with diabetes, patients that need kidney dialysis, uh, patients that need um, amputations, patients that lost their eyesight, patients that now have disabilities, they cannot walk. These are cases that need immediate attention and referrals to the outside of Gaza. But every day, only a very limited number of people are allowed to go through. And this comes after a lot of effort and approvals that have to come from the Egyptians, from the Israelis, from the UN, and from the receiving medical entity, whether it's in Egypt, in Jordan, in the Middle East, etc. We need, as soon as possible here, field hospitals. And they are ready, they are available, they are behind the borders with different NGOs who have contacted Darek saying, Mansour, we are there. We are ready to come in and help with our staff, with all of our equipment, all our medications. However, we are still stuck behind the borders. So you are right. We need field hospitals. We need medications. We need resources. We need staff. The staff here, many of them are working 24-7. Many are working without having been paid. Many have, are working despite losing their family members, losing their houses, right? These are the heroes behind the scenes. One of them is my brother-in-law, to give you an example. He's heading the operations in the middle area, in Deir al-Balah, in Al-Aqsa Martyrs, Dr. Ayman Harb. He is caring for all the operations that require bone surgery. And we speak regularly and we share the knowledge of what happens between both areas. And it is nothing less than atrocious. Hospitals are operating at over 250% capacity. Cases of people are just lying on the floor in the emergency uh, unit. They are lying on the stairs. If you go inside the hospitals, you'll see people lying on the stairs, lying in the waiting rooms. It's, it's, it's like the problem is that someone like me, unfortunately, got used to seeing this. But when you talk about it and when you try to explain what is happening to the outside world, it's difficult. It's difficult. Despite all of that, Owen, I repeat what I said earlier and I repeat what Uncle Wael said. We will remain steadfast. Our moral will not be diminishing. It is, we are actually even 
putting more effort into trying to get the word out more, trying to help in all ways we can. And we feel your support when we see everyone and we love them and we thank them for what they are doing. And, and I think that message is so important that people hear it, that people aren't just yelling into the void by acting on what you're saying. People are making a, a difference. So people need to continue doing that. Um, in terms of the obviously occupying Israeli forces, um, I mean, to be honest, Israeli forces are using TikTok often to flaunt war crimes. And you can see that in terms of just the very acts, for example, of parading people stripped uh, virtually naked in front of cameras is that's a violation of the convention, let alone anything else. There's one uh, video today of them forcing a group of men, including children, to chant denouncing Hamas and just completely humiliating and degrading uh, treatment. But they also IDF, you know, of um, of them going around blowing up civilian homes and, and laughing about it on TikTok, going through people's prized possessions, stealing them, uh, sleeping in the beds of children who may well be dead because of uh, their, their, their bombs and their bullets, and also reports of torture of detainees, um, uh, uh, field executions. So can you tell us what you know about what's actually happening in terms of Israeli forces and those sorts of reports? They are failing miserably on the ground, uh, Owen. And uh, they are taking out their failures on the ground, uh, militants versus militants, for militant versus civilian. That is, that is the, the, the explanation of what is happening because there, there's no logical explanation, right? Why would you humiliate old men, civilians, children, women, and do that to them, right? Uh, they have failed miserably on the ground. They have thousands of casualties. And once the Israeli people know the reality of what has happened to their soldiers over the last three months, once they learn about the Hannibal Doctrine being applied on October the 7th to their own settlers around Gaza, to the people who are partying at that party by the Apache helicopters, by the tanks, once they learn about the casualties which hit their own hostages here in Gaza, right, they will know how much of a criminal their, their government is, not only to the people of Gaza or the Palestinian people, but even to their own, even to the Israelis their own. They don't care. They have a right-wing agenda. They have a certain ideology they are following. They believe that we are at the end of times and that they have to spill blood in order to ensure that whatever they believe in has to come into fruition. So, we do not know. I have a lot of cases of people not knowing the whereabouts of some of their loved ones who are in the north. They've been taken into the Bear Sabah Desert in concentration camps. Some have been killed and sent their bodies back. Some are still there. Many have been injured and, and they have been brought here to Nasser Hospital to, um, to, get, um, to get treatment. Some of them successfully left Gaza to be treated outside. Um, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. However, despite all of that, Owen, the surprising thing is that over 600,000 still remain steadfast in the north, right? You are talking about people who went through over 90 days of hunger, over 90 days of, 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 of killing, either through ground, through airstrikes, through strikes from the sea. Uh, they've, saw, they've seen death. However, they still decided to remain there, even with the Israelis claiming that there are open pathways, open routes for them to go to the south. This is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, especially when you know that the Israeli government is offering over 1 million shekel or 270,000 US dollars or 200,000 British pounds per individual to go back to the settlements around Gaza. And no one is taking that offer even with a house, even with a car. On the other hand, Palestinians are willing to stay on their land free of charge, willing to pay with their own life that, uh, that, uh, that price because they know that this is their land. They know that they are the ones that are right. On the other hand, you have half a million Israelis who left Israel, not willing to come back. They've bought a one-way one ticket, right? Because they can, I think, foresee that their civilization, their country, they've already lost, right? They already are already collapsing from within. Look at how openly now there are disagreements among their own elected cabinet members, within their own war committee, between the different Israeli generals and the politicians, between their own public. And by the way, all the Israelis are armed with pistols, with Kalashnikovs, with, war, with machine guns. It's part of their ideology. And if they differ in opinion and they decide to open fire with each other, it's game over Israel. So I hope that people who are still sane, who want the future of the Israeli people, come into light, see that they have to put an end to the madness that is being done by the right-wing government, by Benjamin Netanyahu who's trying to avoid imprisonment. A permanent ceasefire will happen. The question is who from them will enable it to happen? We are calling for immediate permanent ceasefire, immediate op open borders, immediate humanitarian aid to enter, especially reaching our brothers and sisters in the north. And they need to understand that we are not going anywhere. We will not allow what happened in 1948 and 1967 to happen again. We will not allow for a third Nakba to happen. Back to you. Before I ask, before I ask, there's a, a couple of final things I want to ask because we're so, we're so privileged to have just the time you're you're spending as it is. Um, I mean, just just you mentioned hostages. We 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 know that three hostages who were waving a white flag, Israeli hostages, were shot dead by Israeli forces a few weeks ago. And many people said at the time, if they're shooting dead Israeli hostages waving white flags, one of Palestinian. Uh, civilians, and we saw today footage which was released by Middle East Eye, which showed a group of Palestinian civilians led by a woman holding the hand of a 
kid, all waving white flags, and Israeli soldiers shot dead the mother um, in front in front of her child and in front of everybody there. But that point, I just want to ask about 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 another Nakba. Uh, obviously, the great catastrophe in 1948, when 750,000 Palestinians were violently driven from their homes. And it's clear from the statements of many Israeli politicians that they intend to make Gaza inhospitable and then force the people of Gaza to leave. And they're already, you know, the reports of the negotiating with various countries in Africa and elsewhere in order to make that happen. And I'm just wondering, you know, how short, what, what is your sense of that actually is a very real menace that after a while, however strong people may feel, Israel will make life so impossible and so intolerable that they will force people, those who will survive, out from their own land. Yes, that's their plan, very openly from the beginning. They tried to persuade Egypt and Jordan, Lebanon and Syria to take uh, refugees. However, everyone said no. Now, and then they tried to talk to uh, some of the aging countries around the world, uh, in the Western world, uh, like Canada, Australia, Germany, those who need a new workforce, need, uh, need a, new, a new generation of taxpayers. Um, but it seems that they are also getting refused from there. Uh, for example, Canada said we can only take 1,000, uh, uh, you know, Gazans, and, and this is after a long process. So they are trying to find, like, solutions through African nations who are very generous, and, and we love them to death. Uh, but it's not about, it's about, it's about that this is our land. Like, we are not leaving. And our actions are speaking louder than our words. Like I said earlier, Despite the very bad situation on the ground, you have over 600,000 still remaining in Gaza City and in the north. They have the option to go south. They have the option to go to the middle region. However, they decided to stay there. And guess who withdrew from the north? The Israeli forces announced three days ago that they did not accomplish any of their military targets in the north in Gaza City. They didn't dismantle the H-word group. They didn't free any of their hostages through military. And still rockets are being fired from the northern refugee camps, which they said they cleansed around five weeks ago. So even within the Israeli media, they are making fun of their military and their politicians, saying that, what are you guys doing? The people are still there. We're still getting attacked from there. And you withdrew all of your military operations. What did we achieve? What did we achieve? They achieved nothing. And today the IDF announced that it was their worst day of war ever in their battle here in the Middle region and the South. Throughout the day, we can hear sounds of RPGs, TPGs, Kalashnikovs, tanks firing, airstrikes all around. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it's, we're basically in the middle of a war zone here. And they announced that this is the worst day for them in terms of casualties. So I think that the Palestinians will continue to strive for what is right. I do not think that they will succeed in, um, in, in, in convincing other countries because the other countries will tell them, no, we, we like um, the world, the world recognizes that who is strong, the way the world is, 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 is um, it has been designed right now when it comes to politics and economics, right? It doesn't give you a right if you, if you have the right. 
it gives you to the right if you show that you are strong, if you show that you are steadfast. And I believe that countries from all around the world will now join South Africa. And you will see that countries who are, who are now pro-Israeli will now be more neutral because they see where things are going. They see that Israel is losing. They already lost the media war. They already lost the war of winning the hearts and minds of the regular Joe. They already lost the war on the ground here. They are losing their own people. So I think that governments from around the world, politicians from around the world, will now say, look, we need to support the Palestinian people. And supporting the Palestinian people is not by giving them another country to go to, because they do not want this. They are fighting for their right, right? It is by convincing now through different means, those superpowers who are now siding with Israel that look, stop, stop giving this life support unconditionally to Israel. Let's revise our plans and let, let's listen to our people because they see that what's happening is not only wrong, but they're also now being seen as supporting the side that is losing. And this is what the Israelis fear most. Just, just one final question, just both links, I suppose, in terms of what happens next and what people can do. Uh, because we know South Africa are taking Israel to the International Court of Justice. Uh, they filed a claim of genocide against Israel. It is, I've read the document. I've done a video about the document. It is one of the most devastating documents I've read in my entire life. It's extremely serious, loyally, hundreds of footnotes, evidence. Uh, they've taken this very seriously. Obviously, South Africa, former victim of apartheid itself. Uh, so it's, it's clear why they've taken the lead there. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. But I suppose finally, just kind of for, for the sake of everyone watching or listening, so many people all around the world, as you say, are, 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 are desperate to do anything, anything they can. They're watching every day people like yourself reporting on these horrors, they're seeing the atrocities being committed, and they know in Western countries that their own governments are ensuring that this can continue. Back, those governments are backing Israel, they're arming Israel. Uh, without the support of those governments, Israel would simply not be able to continue this horror. So I'm just interested, South Africa's taken leadership. That is something, it's very important. Uh, so your thoughts on that, but what you think people, the rest of us can be doing right now? Uh, 100% the people here in Palestine are supporting what South Africa did. And um, despite um, having second thoughts about the way the legal system is running around the world, uh, we still believe this is a step in the right direction. And that together with ensuring that the Palestinians remaining steadfast here on Gaza, together with this court case, and together with some of the actions I'm going to mention to you now, I believe that we are on the right path. I believe that there is light at the end of this tunnel. And I believe that similar to the women giving labor in the paternity ward beside me, yes, we are going through challenges. However, the result, the outcome is a beautiful baby. The result, the outcome is a free Palestine and a domino effect that will take place to anyone who wants freedom from those uh, ridiculous man-made political, social, and economic system that has, that has done a lot of unjust to people around the world. So number, the first thing you can do is boycotting. Continue your boycotting efforts 
to those Zionist corporations, to corporations that are openly supporting the Zionist agenda. You have seen what you did to Starbucks. You have seen what you did to McDonald's. These things take time. Don't think that you will see the effect overnight. These companies release their results quarterly, semi-annually, annually, right? And trust me, when this CEO sees that his bonus, his paycheck is going to get affected, they will put pressure on the politicians in their countries to put a stop to supporting Israel with an open paycheck like they're doing right now. So trust the process, continue boycotting in a strategic manner, follow the different trends, see who the companies are, and continue the boycotting. That's number one. Number two, you guys are already doing it. Social media. Don't stop telling the truth. We are not, we are not making propaganda. We are telling the truth about what's happening here. Continue to create content on different platforms. Just liking, sharing, commenting. Don't belittle any of these activities. Like Uncle, Uncle Wael said, pebble by pebble. You know, these small pebbles, they don't create a big difference. But millions of pebbles together, they create a solid mountain. So don't stop doing the work you are doing on social media. So number one, boycotting. Number two, social media. Number three, demonstrating on the ground. Don't underestimate these public demonstrations that are happening in the millions, in cities all around the world, with people from different uh, perspectives or from different norms or people with different religious or, or, or creed backgrounds. Get together, talk to each other, let the world see what you are talking about. You don't know how many people who are neutral have now been convinced because of what they have seen. You don't know how many politicians have been swayed because of what they are seeing. They are afraid to lose their electoral vote. And you don't know how much it boosts the morale of the people here. Everyone here has a smartphone. And whenever they have access to the social media, the first thing they see is, wow, look at the people around the world supporting us in different languages, different skin colors, uh, different time zones. They would never have thought this would happen. And this gives us a big boost that what is happening here is now not only about Palestinians, but it's a global movement. So don't stop demonstrating. Number four, continue to lobby your politicians. Different countries have different ways. And maybe in the UK, Owen, you can tell us a little bit more about how people can act there. In the US, there's an app called Five Call Apps. There are different ways that people can reach the different uh, MPs, the different uh, uh, elected officials, right? Make sure that you have your voice listened. Make sure they understand that they should line up with the truth, with what you believe in, and that you elected them. You are the ones that put them in position of power. So they need to represent you. So make sure that you lobby your politicians. Number five, donate, but wisely. You know, right now, unfortunately, I, I don't like to talk about this, but it's a reality. There are a lot of online scams right now happening. There are a lot of people taking them, um, trying to use this uh, way in order to enrich themselves in illegal manners, right? People think, saying that, oh, we are in Gaza, etc. Or organizations even that are claiming to help, but actually don't have any kind of help on the ground here. So do your homework, donate wisely, connect with organizations who you are sure have work here on the ground. Speak to Palestinians that you trust, your colleagues at work, your friends, your neighbors, people with, people, with, with family members here in Gaza. Ask them what is the best way to ensure that aid reaches us here immediately, because this aid is needed now, not later. 
number six, uh, continue education and learning. We talked about learning more about Zionism, Palestinian, Israeli history, and Islam. Because again, we want to act from facts, not from emotions. Finally, make the intention of visiting us here in Gaza. This war will end soon. Borders will open soon. And we are looking forward to seeing all the different volunteers from around the world, like yourselves, coming and joining us here. Come and enjoy the Mediterranean weather. Come enjoy the, the Palestinian hospitality. Try to enjoy different kinds of foods. And hopefully together we will rebuild Gaza soon, inshallah. Back to you all. Thank you so much, you're, you're a wonderful communicator. Um, and I think everyone listening to this, I think you've had a, a really, I've been reading some of the comments, a really profound impact on. Um, and I think that was such a, 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 a rousing but practical way to end this. Just to add, um, I did an interview with Omar Barghouti, who is the co-founder of Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions, for those who don't know, a Palestinian activist. Um, that's on my YouTube channel. I'll also be sharing a clip of that on Instagram as well. But he talks about Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions, very much modelled on the um, anti-apartheid uh, movement, which was instrumental in ending apartheid. You had struggle from within South Africa, and you had an international struggle as well. And also in, in, in that spirit, I interviewed the former um, ANC a member of parliament, Andrew Feinstein, who's a Jewish South um, African. Um, his uh, parents, his, sorry, his family, they were Holocaust survivors. And he just spoke about the struggle against apartheid and why he says Palestine is a great moral issue of our time and making that connection because with apartheid it looked invincible until it wasn't and I, I do think there are lessons there but just finally Mansour honestly it's such an honour and we are I think all of us just in complete awe um, of the work that you're doing and um, I know how humble you are um, but the pressure you're under is something which I think many of us would, would struggle to really imagine but the fact you've kept your moral clarity, your, your, your determination to speak truth, and if you can do it in the circumstances you're in, then we have a responsibility in far more, infinitely more privileged circumstances where we don't face the threat of death and injury just by telling the truth. So if you can do that, then the least we can do is to do the same and to keep elevating your voices. Uh, so I'll be sharing this video on YouTube. It'll be shared on Instagram. I know lots of people always, most people always watch after the live, but you know, hello to everyone. But this will be on YouTube. It'll be on my podcast. I'll clip it as well for, for Twitter. So hello to all the different audiences. Um, but Mansour, honestly, we'll, you know, I'll be checking up with you um, on your Instagram, your content every single day. Make sure you're following him if you're not already following him. Spread his content. Keep sharing his content and the content of other brilliant, courageous Palestinian journalists who are the eyes and ears bearing witness to one of the great crimes of our age. And that history will, I think, well, I know, uh, will give the, these, the brave lions uh, that are the journalists of, of Gaza, they will be celebrated just as much as those who are responsible for this grave crime will be damned. So again, Mansour, thank you so much. It was a huge, huge honour. Um, solidarity, and we'll be thinking of you, all of us, I know. Thank you so much, Owen. It's a privilege, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you so much for allowing us this platform to talk to with you and with your audience. And yeah, let's stay connected for sure. Really we appreciate will. Anything I can ever do, always let me know. That's what I'm here for. Inshallah. Thank you so much, everyone. All right. Solidarity. Solidarity. Take care. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.